Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Hope you're having a great day. Thanks for tuning in. We are in the uh, last week of Jesus' earthly ministry. I think most of you know by now that that week began on what we call Palm Sunday, as Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem triumphantly. And remember the palm branches and the coats that were thrown down in the road, and Hosanna, son of David. It seemed, ostensibly, that they were claiming him to be their Messiah. And yet the Bible teaches that very soon the religious oppression and pressure of that city overtook these more zealous pilgrims, and they were quiet. Matter of fact, the Bible says in a parallel passage that when he entered the city that day, all of the the pilgrims on Palm Sunday that had been shouting Hosanna, none of them were saying anything, but the children, the children were praising him. And the Pharisees said to Jesus, tell the children to be quiet. And I love what Jesus said. He said, have you not read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. And I tell you that if these should keep their silence, that even the very rocks would cry out. And the point is, is that children don't know how to be politically correct. And the adults knew to shout in one place and be silent in another place. But kids just figured, hey, if we can shout outside about Jesus, we can shout inside about Jesus. And I love that illustration. We didn't talk about it in this study because we're studying the book of Mark, and that's in one of the parallel passages. But uh, here we are on Tuesday of the final week of Jesus' ministry. He has just been opposed by a group of Pharisees and Herodians. Remember we talked about that, how they were sent by the upper ups to try to catch Jesus in his words. And they asked a question about taxation and Jesus masterfully dealt with that situation. Now we find ourselves in verse number 18. So let's look there. Mark 12, verse 18 The Bible says, then come unto him the Sadducees. So the Sadducees were a group of religious leaders in Jerusalem that were really kind of the upper crust people. Uh, They prided themselves to be more intelligent than, more connected than, more powerful than the Pharisees. The Sadducees had the lion's share of the seats on the Sanhedrin council. Uh, The chief difference between the Sadducee and the Pharisee is that the Pharisee was a Bible literalist, whereas the Sadducee was more of a mystical, allegorical interpreter of the Bible. And famously, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe that there was life after death, and that was their chief difference with the Pharisees, and they would actually condescend to the Pharisees. They would make fun of them. How do you believe this life after death stuff? That's ridiculous. 
And there was a constant source of, of argument between the two groups. So the Sadducees now are making their effort to best the Lord Jesus. And we'll find that in verse 18, where the Bible says, Then come unto him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. And they asked him, saying, so they're going to ask a question about their favorite subject. Verse number 19, master. So notice the feigned respect, master or teacher. Moses wrote unto us. And when they say Moses wrote, they're speaking about the first five books of the Bible. They're speaking about the Pentateuch. And understand that the, the Sadducees didn't even view the rest of the Old Testament as equally authoritative. They were experts in Moses, uh, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. That was their unit of study. So their question is from their perceived foundation for authority, which is the Torah. And they say, Moses wrote unto us, if a man's brother die and leave his wife behind him and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. So this is found in Deuteronomy chapter 25. It's the law of the kinsman redeemer. You might find it familiar because of what happened in the book of Ruth. Remember, uh, Malon, which was Ruth's husband had died. Elimelech, the father of the family had died in Moab. And Boaz was that near kinsman. Now he wasn't the nearest, but when the nearest kinsman had given up his right, then Boaz had the opportunity and even the responsibility to be the kinsman redeemer to Ruth and raise up children in the name of the dead husband, Malon. So that that's the law. And they're citing that here in verse number 19. Verse number 20, here's their hypothetical situation. And this is a well-known conundrum that the Sadducees would use in their arguments. So they say in verse 20, now there were seven brethren, the first took a wife and dying left no seed. And the second took her and died, neither left he any seed. And the third likewise, and the seven had her and left no seed. So you get the picture. So here's this law of the kinsman redeemer. Well, this woman had this first husband and he died. And then every other husband did his job, the nearest brother, and married her, but then they all died and nobody, they didn't have any children. No, whose husband shall she be in the resurrection? See that verse 23? In the resurrection, therefore, when they shall die, whose wife shall be of them? So first of all, I would say, I wouldn't want that wife because everybody she marries dies. But uh, be that as it may, whose wife shall she be of the seven uh, of them for the seven had her to wife. So they're kind of smugly looking at Jesus thinking, we've asked this question of all of our Pharisee friends. No one has an answer. We're going to just make him look bad. What, what will he say? And wow, the answer of Jesus again is just masterful. Verse number 24, and Jesus answering said unto them, do ye not therefore err, or you're in error, E-R-R, -R, do ye not therefore err, because you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God. So 
much like what we talked about yesterday when the Pharisees and Herodians came, where Jesus immediately answered their question by saying, you're hypocrites. Why tempt ye me? I know your heart. Well, in this situation where the Sadducees are inflated with their own ego and they're all their false sense of intelligence, Jesus really puts it to them by saying, you're in error. You don't know the Bible. You don't know the scripture and you have no clue about the power of God. So he goes right to it, doesn't he? He goes right for the jugular because they prided themselves in being error-free and being right. He said, no, you're in error. They prided themselves in knowing the scriptures. No, you don't know the scriptures. They prided themselves as being the ones that represent God. And he said, you don't know the power of God. It reminds me of what Jesus said to them in John 5, much earlier in his ministry, when he said, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. You don't know the Bible the way you think you know the Bible. Oh, you might have words memorized. You might spend hours, quote unquote, studying, but studying and memorizing are way different than understanding. You don't understand. Now, what was it they weren't understanding? Well, watch what he goes on to say in verse number 25. For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. So Jesus can speak authoritatively about heaven. Why? He's been there. (laughs) He made it. He's been worshiped there. He knows all about the angels. So Jesus is giving advanced revelation here, is he not? He's helping them to understand, hey, let me tell you how it is there. Uh, I've been there. You say there is no no afterlife? I've been there. Uh, So he's saying this is the way it's going to be for marriage in heaven. There is no marriage in heaven. So we don't have our life's partner there. Now we'll know each other. I know some of you are thinking, aw. And some of you are thinking, yay. (laughs) Be careful. But, uh, But Jesus is saying that that's not an institution in heaven. But look at verse number 26, because this is where he really kind of drives the point home. And as touching the dead, because that's the real issue here. That, that's the real argument that the Sadducees have. They don't believe in a resurrection, and they want to make Jesus look bad for believing in the resurrection. So here's what he says about that. As touching the dead, that they rise, have ye not read in the book of Moses? So he goes right back to their favored foundational source, the Torah, the law of Moses. Have you not read in the book of Moses how in the bush, this is Exodus chapter three, God spake unto him, unto Moses saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Ye therefore do greatly err. Do you see what Jesus did there? He not only went back to their preferred books, the books of Moses, but he went back to the person of Moses himself. And not only did he go back to the person of Moses, he went back to the day that Moses was called to be the leader at the burning bush. And at the burning bush, what did God say to Moses? God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, where were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the time that Moses was alive? Well, they were dead. But God didn't say, I was. 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, he is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. So when God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not only was God saying, I am the self-existent one. I am the God that lives. I am the God that is, not was, and shall be. But also these, the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they are also alive. I am alive and I am their God. He is the God of that he is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. So there is life after death. And he said to them, and you do greatly err. Yes, I guess so. Because if you believe, don't believe in life after death, then you're not going to look for a remedy for sin. You're not going to deal with your sin. And <coughs> Excuse me. Oh my goodness. <coughs> well, there we go, folks. A sneeze for your day. Uh, aren't you glad that uh, I'm not within six feet of you? But uh, anyway, you do greatly err. Why? Because if you don't deal with your eternity, then you have made life's most foolish choice. So the question didn't reveal anything about Jesus' ignorance, but it revealed everything about theirs. We're going to move on uh, next episode to yet another question and another attempt And I think you already know Jesus will win that episode too. I hope you join us back uh, this, uh, I think on Monday is our next episode. Hope you join us for that. Until then, God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.